feel a little flushed after that. Never mind. Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 240 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, uh, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, that's Commander Phoenix to Fire, Colin Ford, and joining me in this orange signwinder bar for this episode, we have our Chief Bar Steward, Grant Psychocow Wilcott. Good evening. We have our head of health and safety, Commander Edelweiss, Ben Moss Woodward. Well, that's this show gone down the toilet already. We have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. I think that recording was a flash in the pan. I don't think it'll work otherwise. We have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. That was a relief. And also joining us from Spider-Man Games, we have John Lunn and Oliver Hume. Hello! Hello, here to drive you round the bend. Oh, that's good. I, I couldn't come up with a toilet-based pan. I, I was, I was <laughs> I put could, on the spot. I, I just, just couldn't produce I could hear you panicking like a Klingon. <laughs> he panicked. It was he was caught short. <laughs> yeah, he flushed away the opportunity. <laughs> he wasn't on the button, that's the problem. If, if you wish. Seriously, if you wish, you can join us live. We are hanging out game in distant worlds somewhere in outer space. Just shoot Ben if you see him. Uh, if you can't get to us in game, we're also in the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat. And, of course, we're live on Twitch TV slash laveradio. So uh, we'll go around everybody on the in in this bar and uh, see how they've been for the last week. So we'll start with Commander Silverine. How have you been? Oh, great, thanks. Um, I have been... I've been flying to planets uh, about a thousand light years away from the bubble and um, shooting crystalline shards to get scrummy materials off them. Um, and it's been really beautiful. Um, the uh, I, I normally play in VR, but I've been playing on monitor for the last few days and um, been enjoying the the lighting changes and things that were made made with the last update and um it's been phenomenal been really nice outside of game have not done anything particularly noteworthy just the same as usual really excellent could we have ben please yeah hello yeah i've done very little actually in games since last week um i've since last week until between last yeah between then and now, I've basically been playing Daddy Ben and sitting on my children and things like that. Um, so I am, I've got, I'm about three, four thousand light years behind where I wanted to be at this stage. So I need to catch up. Excellent, Commander Shan. Uh, yes, I've had quite an interesting week, really. Um, 
went away to my parents uh, for the weekend, and my son was there with his Chinese girlfriend, who brought with her some Kopi Luwak coffee, which is uh, about 500 pounds per kilo in terms of costs. Um, but the most interesting about it is it's actually uh, made out of weasel poo. Oh, that's the one that goes through a yeah, it goes through a rodent, doesn't it? And then, it and goes through a chevet, oh, chevet it, yeah. thing, and it's semi-digested coffee beans, which are then um, made into proper coffee. And it was really nice, actually. And there I was thinking it sounded like shit. Well, I, I wanted to fit in with the, with the toilet kind of um, humour, you see. But uh, no, apparently it's got a really quite an interesting history to it because um, back in... Back in the French colonial days in Vietnam, the French um, put a huge tax on coffee, so much so the normal Vietnamese couldn't afford it. Um, but then they noticed these chivettes or weasels, whatever they're called, um, pooing out the remains of the coffee beans and thought, well, I'll give them a wash and I'll, um, I'll use them instead because the French aren't going to want them. And uh, that's kind of how it started, really. And now it's more expensive than proper coffee. Uh, how does it taste different? It's got a smooth. It got a, it's got a smoother kind of slightly nuttier taste. <laughs> <laughs> Little chunks of sweet. I guess, corn, I was guess it was better than a chunkier, nuttier <laughs> taste. Yes. So, for those of you who have joined in for Elite Dangerous, we're here to help spread some knowledge. Uh, Grant, please save us. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I've got anything at all that's in the tank. Um, uh, I'm just arriving in the live system. Um, just, just trying to get as many toilet puns out as we can. Um, yeah, they, they are begging in the chat room for you to flush the toilet again because that's better than this conversation. <laughs> just uh, well, you know, I think uh, well, we had, we've got amazing uh, coffee that we uh, have branded as the Hutton Coffee. If you've not had any, if you're at ECM this weekend, you might win some in the raffle. If I remember to bring it, um, has it gone it's, through it's, Cubicle Three? <laughs> It's exactly what Cubicle 3 is for. <laughs> um, but yes, um, it's been a busy week as we get ever ready for ECM this weekend. There's, uh, again, the, the deal break was if I didn't have a working toilet for Susie, then I wasn't going because it would require for some cares to be brought in to deal with it. And if we've got a working toilet, then she can handle it herself, so to speak. And um, yeah, uh, today Moof and I fitted the toilet bowl, flooded the bathroom, then fitted it properly. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's been, it's not, it's not ready for use yet. Tomorrow we do the last of bits on that. And then we have the ridiculous job of putting 3000 tiles up on the rest of the walls and then wallpaper and then fittings and then it's done. But we're getting there. We're making progress now on a regular basis. Um, so it's it's looking good for for us getting down to to ECM uh, and Susie having a much easier time of it going forward anyway. Uh, floors down and uh, tiled and grouted looks amazing. The tile design is stunning, if somewhat a complete and utter freaking nightmare. Um, the tiles are about the same size, slightly smaller than your iPhone, depending on what iPhone you've got. Um, they are small. 
really annoying to have to cut triangles off the damn things and then try and fit them in that uh, herringbone pattern. But not a sort of straight up and down herringbone. No, no, no. It has to look like a herringbone. It's got to be diagonals. It's got to be that. So yeah, everything you could possibly do to make the job 10 billion times harder. But she's right. It looks amazing. It absolutely yeah. looks amazing. That, that's a problem with an artist, isn't it? Because they, they look at what you've done and went, that's not good enough. You needed to do it this way. And you hate it because they're right. <laughs> yes. And my, my brother did, he did, he did threaten Alien, was asking if I tailed the bathroom with iPhones. No, uh, Moof did think it would have been funny if I hadn't noticed him grabbing my iPhone to, to tile that into the display. <laughs> well, that would not have gone down well. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a real t- tricky job, but very satisfying. But it means that we have been working pretty much solidly since last week. On that, on getting the kit we have pat tested and ready for ECM, and getting the setups ready for ECM. Today I did the, uh, the six, seven, seven webcams. I've got three more coming tomorrow, possibly four. Get them all hooked in, get them all set up, and then we are good to go. Test our tables, which have been designed for LaveCon. Uh, we're going to test test them at ECM and see if they do uh, give us that lower profile and remove the large mic form from people's faces. So if you are watching, I'm hoping to broadcast to Lave Radio Twitch and Hutton Orbital Truckers Twitch from the event. Do check it out. It will hopefully make um, a much nicer end result for the stream. Um, as we continue to try and tweak things to make them better and better and better so that if you can't get along to these events you can at least watch for people that told you they weren't going that are just lying because they didn't want to go with you (laughs) excellent well um john and oliver um obviously you've got some fantastic news that you'll be bringing to us later but for the last week or so how have you been uh, yes. Um, yeah, quite quite well, really. Um, uh, yes, I mean, obviously, we've had some good news um, with the battle cards. Um, but uh, beyond that, actually, I've done uh, uh, something fairly good, which is I've logged back into Elite Dangerous after a bit of a hiatus. And it, it's quite good now, actually. Uh, I have to say, not that it wasn't good before, but it's, it's, it's just very, very good now. Uh, I notice that they, they've done quite a lot of changes to it, and it seems to have happened over a very short period of time. So, um, so I've been really enjoying doing that, um, but be doing lots of writing. We've got lots of projects, but I, I won't, I won't take them all up here. I'll let John boast about them rather than me because he's better at talking than I am. John. And I've been stupidly freaking busy, um, because we've decided to launch another, um, project at exactly the same time as suddenly the battle cards come back online. So working a full-time job and then running one project uh, wasn't enough. So I've now got two. So not much to worry about there then. It's just mental, but in a good way, in a really, really good way. Yeah. (laughs) In the subject of being mental, um, yeah, I like Grant are preparing for this weekend's uh, ECM. the models are taking shape. I have now got new 
summary cards for use in the miniatures game. So hopefully we'll uh, be able to run two games at once. And there's enough spare models left over for people to paint if they wish to. Um, as far as in-game is concerned, uh, I've decided to do the Ram Tar mission again. So I am out in the Guardian Ruins, not only getting a whole load of materials to come up with more anti-Thargoid weapons, but also getting loads and loads of cash in order to get my Elite Explorer ranking, which hopefully when I come back next week from it, I'll have it. But apart from that, that's it. So, moving on from... Uh, the general shenanigans, we have some interesting development news. Uh, well, first of all, we've had a new launcher which came out yesterday. Now, this took, I think, everybody by surprise, but there's been some problems with it. Um, ben, do you want to take us up to speed on this? I can do. I mean, uh, the launcher changes didn't actually affect me. I just downloaded it and it worked. Um, but I know people have been having problems seeing Horizons for a while. Um, but I don't actually know if we even know what this update to the launcher was for. It's just like, come and get a new launcher. But why? I don't. What do I need it for? Maybe it was for the stuff that's coming out on the 23rd. Maybe. And it, it did affect me. It seemed as though, this is purely by observation, that people with lifetime passes were more likely to be affected than those without. Oh, right. It but didn't affect me at all. Yeah, usually, for Shan, when you've got the life, the not the lifetime pass, the with you'll get the update will get rolled out at the same time. The update to the launcher will get rolled out at the same time as the update to the game clients. Oh, it, it was. I mean, I, I checked um, on my account because I was affected, and I, I thought, oh, crumbs, I better not have taken my lifetime pass away because yeah. it's been so useful going forward. Oh, I can't um, see them getting rid of that. <laughs> um, and um, it was still in my account. You know, when I looked on the website, it was still down there, lifetime pass. So I thought, yeah. Phew. But maybe the link between what was on the account record and the game for lifetime pass had been severed, so it kind of defaulted. For some people. Life. Yeah, because there was it was just the vanilla client, no horizons, nothing. Which it was all a bit weird, but I mean, I thought because I know people were thinking, is is it just Steam? But then it wasn't just Steam people who were having it; it was everyone. Um, mm. Well, I must admit, it didn't affect me. I was quite relieved about that, but I did but, hear that Steam was quite badly affected. Has that been resolved yet? Yeah, it was resolved last night. Um, right, and don't worry, Colin, you'll get all your issues next Tuesday. Thanks for that. I'm trying to jinx you, Colin, so that it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So you're trying or, to double jinx. Or curse him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, well, one of the things that um, obviously has happened is that we have had development news. Of course, this happens the day after last week's show when we were going on about the fact that we're probably not going to get anything new for quite a while. Um, and, of course, when asked about this, both Paige and Will had a good laugh at us on the live stream. Thanks for that, guys. Yes. Well, um, as you're aware, um, there will be a live stream this Thursday uh, to go over the um, new training wheels and starting area that will have Will and Adam Woods on it. The actual update itself will be on Tuesday on the 23rd of April, probably at the same time as this show. 
Um, but do not book Tuesday off work. Book the Wednesday off work if you want to play it. Mm. Yes, Will uh, and the community team have said that they're going to be putting on the usual kind of shenanigans that they do when the servers have to go down. So there'll be a lot of, um, obviously, discussion, maybe some showing off of a hot build, you know, they play the game because you can't kind of thing. But, um, yeah, so it's uh, a week today that we'll have the first update in, what, four months? So um, we'll move on quickly to the in-game events which have been happening. Um, obviously, Distant Worlds 2 has continued to Waypoint 11. Um, which one of you Distant Worlders have made it to Waypoint 11 then? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, wondered, I wondered, oh, how far is it as the crate flies um, to Beagle Point from Waypoint 11? And it's just over 13,000 light years. Um, to Beagle Point, which if you have done the um, journey from Waypoint 10 to Waypoint 11 is a smaller distance um, than that trip. I think it was 14,000 something from Waypoint 10 to Waypoint 11. And assuming your ship can go straight to Beagle Point, or indeed if that's the route straight to Beagle Point, it's 13,000. So nearing the home stretch. Yeah, and as I was saying at the beginning of the show, I, because I was busy with family, I didn't even manage to get to the first half of this journey. So I'm, I wanted to try and do about 7,000 light years last week, and I only managed to do about five. So I need to catch up a bit. And I'm just bucky, well, I'm, I'm not quite buckyballing it. I'm still looking, but I'm not, I'm not looking at, unless I see an Earth like world, I'm not stopping for nothing. And it's pretty easy to spot those Earth-like worlds on the FFS, isn't it? It is, Colin. You just go down to your, your scanner and you look for some anal. Thought you'd appreciate that, somehow. You set them up, Colin? <laughs> uh, yes, right. Um, well, Operation Ida, uh, Zane Till wants to say that the reception by the community and their enthusiasm in helping them with their repair cause has been overwhelming. Um, with our friends and allies and groups and independent commanders, both old and new, the past two weeks have been incredible. They've managed to repair two stations and hold 1.2 million tons of cargo in one day alone. Uh, he says it's a testament to what this community can accomplish when we do it together. Um, and that's pretty uh, astounding. Um, I do believe the truckers have been doing their own attempt at repairing as many stations as possible, Grant. Is that right? They did an amazing job. Um, I did getting stuck. I, I, don't, I got stuck in and things were going great until I went to drop off. Well, I didn't get on for a while. When I got on, I had a cargo hold full of aluminum. Uh, or that was for the Americans out there, aluminium for you uh, proper people. Yeah, and um, I realised that I couldn't sell it at the station that I had bought it for, which was what, one jump away. And in fact, the only station that needed aluminium was bloody miles off, so I had to be <laughs> dropped there. Got there, I requested docking, but do you know that way that docking requests are a bit hit and miss at the moment? Yes. Uh, and it didn't go through. I'm sure it came up blue. I went into the slot and I got fined, which meant I couldn't sell the stuff. So, in a good old, you know, good mad sportsman-like way, I dumped all 768 tons in the docking slot and bucked <laughs> off. Why didn't you just wait for anonymous access and then pay off the 100 credits, whatever it was, and then sell your stuff? 
Because it, no, it was, you get the restricted system, and you can't talk to you can't go in there and dock and pay your fine off. You have to go to another station. It's a pain in the arse. Um, so at that point, because if you go to Henry Dock, what happened there was often because of the amount of commanders going in and out, you would clip someone on the way in, sometimes by accident, and then you'd have to fly down to the planet's surface, land, pay your fine off and fly back up and then dock. Um, it's not a, a, a very good system, but yeah, it had a proper reach. But what, what was even worse than that was there were still people taking stuff in and out of that station who had to put up with about half an hour's worth of... as all the cargo canisters exploded one by one. <laughs> Meanwhile, it took about 45 minutes for all my fines to amass. Um, <laughs> so it, was, it was a blaze of glory. But the guys, they worked tirelessly. Some of them, the figures we can see on the, the hut and tracker, are ridiculous, you know, where people who are not far off uh, a million tons on their own um, a lot of people over the 500,000 tons uh, amazing efforts and more importantly we've probably fixed more stations in a week than had been done in months yep you are probably right there so yeah when you want something trucking you we know who to call Indeed, it just takes an effort and takes somebody to take the bull by the horns, create an event, and people, you know, if you if you make it, people will come. Excellent. Um, well, back at the planetary navigation uh, expedition, um, they are going to be having a meetup near the uh, O'Donnell settlement um, over the weekend, or they had a meetup over the weekend. They will um, be. It's coming. Oh, they will be this weekend coming. Yeah. There was also one this last weekend as well uh, on Saturday. At the North Pole, they have two ideas uh, for this meetup. There is the, uh, and the mind boggles honestly, the O'Donnell Leap, which is basically using the ramp to jump across the base and land on a crane. <laughs> okay, and two, the good old hide and seek. Basically, the nominated seeker parks in the middle of the base, turns off their sensors, closes their eyes, counts to a hundred. And everyone else drives off to find a hiding place. See, this is the sort of thing we were talking about last week, is finding stupid, fun stuff to do. Cardboard box. Cardboard box, exactly. So, yeah, good on you. I like, I like, I like that idea. They need to be careful of someone accidentally turning the base hostile, though, as that has happened every single other time a few of us have spent much time there. Uh, it will certainly be carnage because most of the time the skimmers around the bases have very, very big guns. They've been able to take my T9 down when I've made a mistake. That's impressive, taking that. The, sk the skimmers took your T9 down. Yeah, not Bloody not hell. the tiny little skimmers. There's this, this massive one. Ah, uh, the Goliath. Yeah. Mm. There's four thruster ones called Goliath that are like the size of a lorry, and they are terrifying. Yeah. Yes. You don't, you don't want to go up against one of them. Yeah, as far as the... Uh, we actually had a newsletter last week as well. Now, this one uh, covered some of the, the news that we've, uh, we've had over the last couple of... Uh, couple of weeks um obviously there was the announcement of about uh next week uh will and page went through a lot more on, of distance uh worlds uh there was a new mamba raider ship kit uh did anyone see that yep looked a bit incongruous um i think it ruins the mamba personally but you know well 
I think all Raider things ruin the ship. So you know, I, I wasn't for, that wasn't for me personally. Mm. There are some ships that sort of suit it, like the the kind of more brutal ones that you know, things like the crate or the lake on ships, that sort of thing. I, I think the Mamba is supposed to look like a supercar. It looks a bit weird with um, yeah, with all that gubbins on it. I mean, I must admit, I do think that um, yeah. You're quite right about the Lacon ships. Uh, one of these uh, Raider kits on an ASP actually makes the ASP look a lot more than just the usual cheese wedge. Mm, yeah, exactly. Well, one thing that did pique my notice was the YouTuber Up Is Not Jump, who did a fantastic uh, video, which was Elite Dangerous VR Is A Nightmare, has uh, put out another video, but this time, uh, which includes Elite Dangerous footage, called Existence Is A Nightmare, which is kind of a beginner's guide to the big bang which i thought was quite interesting uh has anybody else seen that one i heard about it i, I think he's brilliant he's really funny that bloke yeah and i mean he's a, he's a science teacher chemistry teacher but he's a science teacher so he kind of validates some of the work that frontier have put into making the galaxy feel as realistic and scientifically accurate as they possibly can at the moment which works quite well and yes they do cover the valiant efforts of the operation ida You'll notice that we're pronouncing it correctly, not IDA now, because uh, we have been told off enough. But um, they have now saying that they have repaired seven stations following the attacks by Thargoids in total over the last couple of weeks. So uh, we'll move on to the main news, which has happened over the last couple of uh, couple of weeks, which is of course the April the twenty third update. Now. Um, at this moment in time, we know that we have uh, a new beginner's area, which is coming. We have two new modules, which is the advanced docking computer and the Super Cruise Assist. We have uh, obviously some UI revamps and trading screen improvements. And for small ships, you get an additional two small slots, which was class ones. And for medium ships, or is it medium or all ships? Because I, I, I was a bit confused whether it was medium. I think it's all ships, isn't it? Small ones get two and everyone else gets one, I think. There was a little bit of ambiguity in the post over that. It wasn't, it wasn't actually ob- ob- it wasn't clear what other ships apart from smalls were going to get. I think, I think it said something like they would get a module slot, but it wasn't, it wasn't obvious what size. The way I read it, it was too small. It was two class ones for small ships and one class one in addition to everything else. Mm, Which does enough. kind of wonder where Sidewinders were holding, were hiding the spare four tons of cargo space all this time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on, the T9 was hiding an extra 256 tons. Goodness knows where they got that from. <laughs> so, you know, um, well, first of all, the 23rd of the year, is it is it too little and too late for new players, this stuff that's been going in? Who would like to add? have a go at that question. I don't think it's ever too late, to be honest. I think it's always um, uh, Elite Dangerous is, is an amazing game in, in the way that... I mean, it does have this really steep learning curve. And the thing that um, uh, attracted both me and John to it, uh, despite our, just our history with it, is the, um, the fact that you had to uh, figure out all the systems sort of uh, by yourself... But that said, it was it was a less hard task, I think, to do that uh, when the game was had first launched compared to what the game is now. 
So I think um, anything that they can do, and I think it's something they should always do, to look out for starting players is good. Uh, I know that there's only uh, that they're, they're thinking of creating um, a special beginners area. I, I've only I've only sort of said the seen the kind of um, uh, the announcement, but something like there'll be missions there that are more keen to sort of um, junior rank pilots. Do you know any of the details behind that? We don't know details, but we have had some information um, given to us. Uh, from what we've been able to ascertain, they are either creating or uh, hijacking, if you like, uh, new systems, which will only be accessible to players of no pilot federation rank. And, oh, gosh. That, and that as soon as you get a mostly in front of anything, um, your permit to go to those sectors would appear to be gone. Now, I, I don't know whether you're kicked out, you know, as soon as you get a mostly harmless, they boot you out somewhere else, or whether they just wait until you dock out, you jump out and have to jump back in again. I, we don't know what that mechanic is yet. But the, the idea is, I think, just to create a nice little playpen new players to be to go in uh, we also don't know if there's going to be special missions in the you know like starter missions or whatever it's going to be in there um, the only thing we know is that these are going to be um, cordoned off systems for current players who are not uh, who are mostly anything and above uh, so for you want to jump in there yeah I'd Two things. One, we we do know um, we do know that there are going to be there might not be new mission types, but we do know that the um, the mission rewards will be tweaked um, and uh, and the challenge that the the mission of the missions offer. I should sorry, not the rewards. The um, the challenge will be tweaked so that uh, new players can can do them. Um, in the in the forum post, it did say that the, there'd be mission types available that sidewinders could could easily do. Um, I think that was the phrasing, um, but also on the on the sort of whether it's necessary and whether you know whether it's overdue question. Um, I think that uh, Frontier are viewing the 2020, the summer 2020 release as a um, as a bit of a re-release of Elite Dangerous, um, like a you know something that's that's worth making a new release level amount of hype about. Um, that's that's the way they've communicated it to to third parties, like. Um, analysts and things um, and that's certainly the way they're talking about it to us so it makes sense to put a decent new player induction sort of experience in before that happens um, so I, also I, I suspect that given that elite is has lots of complex interlocking systems and is it can be it's been said it's quite impenetrable i imagine that there's the bounce rate off it is quite high i imagine quite a lot of people buy it on a sale log in we're like, how? What the hell's going on? I can't undock, and then just think, oh, sod it! I'll just go and play Call of Duty again or whatever. Um, so I imagine that they have access to those figures and are like, oh, do you know what? We've had a lot of people bounce off. It'd be good to be good to, you know, retain a few more. Yeah, um, I know what you mean because that is actually one of the points that the up is not jump video actually highlights quite well. Um, John, do you want to jump in there? Um, yeah, my um, my evidence of of um, just what. Um, was just being said um, that Subram was just saying was that um, we every so often ping out to Facebook um, an advert for EDRPG and that's done by 
forming an audience of people that we've sent stuff to before. So if you um, ask Facebook to send out an advert to anybody who has Elite Dangerous mentioned on their Facebook page, and there are you know hundreds of thousands of these out there, we ping out adverts to them every so often. And one of the most popular comments we get back is, tried it for a bit, too hard, left it. And um, lots of people come in underneath going, oh, you should have stuck it. It's brilliant. And I did. And it took me a couple of weeks to get used to it, whatever. But now there can be a massive change, which is, well, you should have another go because now there's a place where actually it is going to be easier for you to learn. And I think that will make a difference. And I think, uh, uh, you know, we do need to try and keep hold of people, stop them from bouncing. And from what we've heard from people who we're trying to sell, EDRPG to a lot of people like it it sounds great it looks great but it's just too hard for me yeah it is it is quite interesting because um I remember um uh, I've got back in uh, I think I said I got back into Elite Dangerous again just recently and I remember about three months ago I popped in to do the exploration stuff um uh, and I found it really hard and one of the things was, for instance, um, they kept telling me to swap cockpit modes. And I thought, oh, this is new. Okay, so I'll try and find the cockpit mode. And I tried to find it in all my menus. And um, it didn't seem to be in the side menus. And then I was, uh, I, I kind of, you know, went into the control panel and, you know, to bind a key to it. And, of course, there's like 4,000 different key binds. And, you know, I managed to find the one that gets me onto the, uh, the kind of the scanning, the new scanning map, but not the one that swaps the cockpit mode. And um, it was it was very tricky. And I thought, well, what? I, no, I must crack it. So I brought YouTube up, and I thought there'll be a ten minute video. Other people would have had this, and I'll, I'll I'll get it from that. But the shortest I could find, I found like a one hour ten minute video. And bless him, the guy, you know, I mean, he he was very very thorough. But I just couldn't bear to sit there and watch. Uh, that video and this is me and i i'd love edrpg and I, mean, I i was super hyped uh to do the uh, exploration mission so it's it's one of those things i think when i started playing the game for instance the combat ai was much softer so that uh, by the time i got an anaconda i could whip everything but even when i had a sidewinder or an eagle or a cobra um you know i was still competitive um playing again i know that there are certain bits that i should do so like the the low um asteroid resource areas and the nav beacons i already know they're places that are safe for me but you know how did i discover this i, I suppose i just picked it up by osmosis and if i think there is some virtue and i know with with mmos there's always this balance between keeping the it law realistic and allowing uh, players to experience it well. And that is a tricky balance uh, because the more complex an MMO gets, the more vital these kind of beginner areas become. It, it becomes very hard to justify them, I think, in, in case of, well, you know, why I'm an elite player, why can't I go to the newbie zone? You know, I, you know what, what's stopping me? You know, what's, what's the block of my frame shift drive that's getting me there? But we, I think we have to remember um, it's it's still a game and it's still its lifespan still depends on new people playing it. And you sort of have to make some sacrifices uh, to ensure that it is a game that people want to play. And uh, so, yeah, uh, although 
you know, my, I had instinctive reservations. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah they're right. Ben? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just been thinking about what this new player zone is going to be, and what I really, what I really, really hope it isn't. First of all, is I really hope it's not. Well, here's the tutorial menu, and under the tutorial menu, they've got a essentially solo mode of a of of like oh, you know, the, like the pillbox or something like that that we had from the alpha. You know, I really hope it's not that, just like this little locked-off universe. Um, but what I do hope we get is, like you were saying just now, is you've got this new player area. And I remember in Warcraft, I loved... I, I played a rogue in Warcraft, and I loved sneaking into the new player area, but if I got seen... I got my ass handed to me by the guards. Um, and I, I, I like... I don't want a hard block in the new player area. Let me go in. But if I get seen, and especially if I get seen doing any kind of infraction, I'm a dead man within milliseconds. Um, yeah, I, so I, let me go in and help new players. I would love that, because you know, helping new people is a good thing. Ah. Oh, well. Yeah, Sham. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it not so much from a um, new player perspective, um, but there are a number of issues uh, or potential issues uh, for new players um, at, with old players at, in the same systems. Because there's a world of difference between a player who's experiencing the game starting a new account and a new account. So, in theory, um, a naughty-minded player can either reset their save or get a new account and exist solely within the starter systems, uh, earning money and not ever jumping out, just kind of earning the money within the system, beefing their ship up as best they can and using it still to seal coal um, new players. I mean, yes, there won't be the engineered Star Destroyers and stuff like that in other parts of open, but I think anyone who thinks this will be a safe zone to you know, poodle around in uh, will be in for a bit of a shock. Well, I think it, it's actually interesting in a way because everybody, it's going to be more of a level playing field, isn't it, though? I mean, no. uh, how, can it be, how can it be a level playing field? when Because everyone's going to be in sidewinders with pop, with pop lasers. It's not going to be a case of... Um, as it is at the moment, where you get a massive Corvette just blow you away like that. There's all sorts of ways you can kill other players in Sidewinders without actually, if you know what you're doing. Uh, and that's what I mean. It's, you can't, you, you can level the equipment playing field or give a, give a seat, give a ceiling to it, but you can't take away that knowledge of the game mechanics that will allow more experienced players to kill newer players. Right. Um, Silverine, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, just two things. Um, uh, three things. One, totally agree with Ben that um, Warcraft did a fantastic job of um, soft limits on the play area rather than hard ones. Uh, so if you if you went over a boundary that the devs didn't want you to cross, the game would punish you rather than you just run against an invisible wall. I thought that was great. Um, two, uh, regarding the size and nature of the starter zone, um, I can't see Frontier with their um, emphasis in on accuracy and interest in 
astronomy um, creating star systems. Um, so I imagine that what we'll get is either they'll pick a star system which doesn't have a player group in it and lock that off as the, the starter system, or you'll get a clutch of systems that will be like the pill that we had in the beta, a sort of pill-shaped area of space that, that is only for, for newbies. Um, and um, But actually, I was, I was thinking, as everybody else was speaking, there's, there isn't a huge need to have more than one system. You can demonstrate most of the game mechanics in one system, and you can certainly go from harmless to mostly harmless in any of the three um, disciplines in one system. So it wouldn't surprise me if they uh, they looked at it and just thought rather than blocking off a whole load of systems, it actually they just do one. Um, and finally, the to, to what Sam was saying, I can't imagine that. I I think probably people um, people exploiting the speed limit in stations to ram people and get them blown up will probably be a problem. But any basically any activity in the game um has a has an impact on rank in some way and i can't and and i imagine that the um the permit will expire or will automatically be lost for the starter zone as soon as you get to mostly whatever um therefore it will be very very difficult for anybody to rank to to get any kind of um to, to you know to kit out their ship to be um to be able to do any harm at all before they can't stay in the newbie system anymore but then I guess the, the question that that raises is how do you, how once once you're no longer eligible to be in the starting zone, how do Frontier kick you out of it? Unless you make the jump out and then they can prohibit you from going back in. But unless you make that jump, it's not obvious how they, how they kick you out of it. Well, I guess that's one of the things that we'll have to see when, uh, when it's actually demonstrated on Thursday. Uh, I mean, some of these questions are—we <laughs> are just speculating with most of the answers coming uh, coming later in the week. Uh, Shan, do you want to jump in there? Oh no, you need to reboot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I well I can quickly before I need to reboot, and yeah, it'd just be interesting to see how it works out because, as Sue was saying, unless you're kind of evicted from the area forcibly. I'm struggling until it's explained to see how it's actually going to be a lot different from what we have now. But that's what I'm saying. Well, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I remember is when we were in the alpha, we, we could actually build up something decent with just only five systems. There was only five systems that were put aside for the alpha, which we managed to all get up into Cobras and that without and not too much trouble. But the interesting thing that I'm wondering about is do you think that we've got now new ranks which are below harmless like learner explorer learner combatier learner uh, trader and that only once you've passed those learner levels do you move up to harmless what like that's really a, harmless <laughs> that's a really good suggestion actually I can you know you just you have an l plate decal <laughs> <laughs> but on a P plate on your on your ship when you sort of when you get one of them you get a P. <laughs> when you get, I mean that that is interesting. I mean it it is one of these things we will have to wait to see on Thursday to see how they're going to handle this. I mean personally, I'm hoping that the the actual harmless to elite ranking is left alone and there's something else there. But um, yeah, that's I, I guess that's one way to look at these things. Um, no, that's not all that's coming. There was these two additional modules 
the first one is the advanced docking computer, which, like the present docking computer, will allow you to land. But then you can then just one touch of the button and you take off again. Uh, obviously, another one for the newbies, but to tell you the truth, I always thought docking was that easy these days that you didn't really need one. Or am I just being elitist, pun intended? <laughs> I think you'll probably find that there may well have been a little bit of salt throwing when somebody works their way up to a status um, that allows them to buy something big and then they get stuck in the um, mail slot because someone else is coming the other way, got blown up and have thrown their teddies out the pram. Um, and now you you know, you know can buy whatever you like and you can auto-launch it so you no longer face that problem. So? Um, there was somebody said, um, uh, in, in, when I first read about this, I was like, oh, cool, yeah, sweet, accessibility, why not? Um, but I guess the what makes Elite, it's popular to say um, that it's things like docking that make Elite difficult, but it's probably as much the um, the fact that the game isn't very forthcoming with information that makes Elite difficult. Like the the actual um, if you have a if with proper like um, uh, like what can't what they call it um, uh, pre-flight checks, it it's the game demonstrates what the controls are on the first go. So um, I'm not sure that, um, I, I wonder whether they'd had consistent feedback that docking was spectacularly difficult for um, for various groups or, or, or new players. Um, but the, the other the other thing um, that somebody else said to me that I thought was really good, um, well, no, not good, but interesting. Um, Commander Punky Drummer commented that um, uh, botting is a really serious problem in Elite, and the more you automate, uh, the easier that becomes. And particularly things like automating a supercruise journey to the point where ships can will reliably drop in on their target without any human um, activity make botting a lot easier. And he wondered whether we were going to see a, a huge spike in um, botting activity to the detriment of the game. All right, Oliver, would you want to jump in? Yeah, I think there's... Um... Uh, I mean, you touched on it very uh, just kind of lightly. There is an, an interesting accessibility issue because I think um, Elite Dangerous is 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 an interesting MMO because it's you can um, you can play it without engaging in much combat. Um, so you know there, I'll go days at a time sometimes, and I'll have no fights. And um, you know when you do get in a fight, it's nice and uh, intense and so forth. But um, uh, I think. Um, it, I, I've heard of people who uh, play Elite Dangerous pretty much entirely through voice attack, and um, you know, are, 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 you know, kind of because you know uh, maybe they're, they're, they they have kind of a problem with their arms or their hands, and you know, who really enjoy Elite Dangerous and actually having um, taking off was one of those things I think that you know seems so obvious to people that maybe it isn't an issue. You know, it could be. I quite like the idea that the starter ships have this and then sort of uh, later on if you still want to rely on it then you know you can sort of uh, buy it into your ships and since the small ships have more modules now you know it, it's they're easier to fit in i think it is worth remembering you know elite danger is a very intellectual game in all sorts of ways you know you can play it uh, as a gigantic trade simulator or as a simulator for you know uh, uh, you know kind of the, the change of political power 
and so forth. There's lots and lots of layers. Um, the only thing that, that ever made me feel nervous about sort of excessive access to docking computers and, um, was that there is, a, there is a little bit of a sense that docking and landing is, is kind of the, the soul of Elite Dangerous, but it kind of doesn't have to be. And I think that um, people who uh, can dock without it will dock without it uh, because it's, um, you know, it's fun. Docking is fun. Getting it wrong is fun. Uh, or try to do it fast, and you know these are all fun things to do in the game. So I, I, I think actually it's quite, um, I, I quite like the idea overall that they they do allow it for starter ships and really anything that just sort of gets you in with a minimum of fuss. Yeah, I, you know, I, th- I think it's a a good play to be honest. But maybe I'm too wussy. Okay, Shan. Ah, right, deep breath. Okay, um, so I- <laughs> get that meter ready, shall we? <laughs> No, no, it's not. It's not a negative meter thing. Um, <laughs> the the thing about botting is, I can understand where people who said it will promote botting are coming from. However, I do tend to disagree because bots are already in the game. The code is already there. It's not actually introducing anything that isn't already there, or even simplifying it because it's already there. So I, I don't really see how it will affect botting and the accessibility point is, is a very good one um the other thing about both uh, the advanced docking computer and presumably the super cruise assist is i can see how yes they would probably be useful on new ships uh, you know to kind of ease commanders in um but i'm kind of speaking from personal experience because we, we've got we've got a few cars at the at Shan Towers, and uh, my youngest son has got one of these all singing, all dancing, brand new cars with everything on it. You know, adaptive cruise, reversing sensors, automatic parking, and all that sort of stuff like that. And I tell you, once you've got a car with that stuff on it, you don't really want to go back to a car that you actually have to park, or you you have to think, oh, am I keeping to the speed limit in this average speed section? You know, it because the assistance is so useful i can't see many players apart from purists getting rid of it is is, is my point because it's too useful to be able to just i'll just undock and have a cup of coffee and not have to worry about ramming anyone or oh, i'll just point my ship at the location and super cruise and whatever it's too useful to be rid of and the other thing about the two new slots um is the effect of balance on the ships, because presumably, uh, I don't know if this has been confirmed or not, but presumably these two extra slots can be used for anything. They're not like the planetary approach suite, which only can be used for that. They are slots that can be used for anything. So conceivably, they can be used for hull reinforcement or module reinforcement or whatever you got. So you've automatically given all the ships a boost in terms of armor and capability particularly if they're smaller ones so it'll be interesting to see how that um responds to as i say i we don't know how the auto the super cruise assist is going, is going to work i mean is it going to be you can just point at a target and go help a leather and just let it sort itself out or are you going to have to zero your throttle and press super cruise assist or whatever it is so it's like a docking computer I don't know, but I, I, I think once players have got used to have it, it'll be like modern cars and they won't want to get rid of it. 
Well, um, I mean, personally, from in my opinion on this one, is that, well, you know, it's not really for us. I think most of the veterans here are ones that uh, are used to flying without the, uh, yeah, without all the, the extra assistance. And to be honest, uh, I, I don't see myself being able to use it. Um, Oliver, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say that um, although the advanced docking computer might be effective, it's it, it's not optimal. And I think when you get uh, sort of later into the game and you're trying to make your ship the best it can, um, I think you will ditch it, especially, um, you know, if later down the line, you know, you've got a Python and you've put a docking computer in a Python, um, you know, you can use that slot for something you know, uh, quite effective with something sort of more impact on the game. So it's one of those things, I think, if you can do without the docking computer, you probably will. And likewise with the super cruise, you know, if you're you're a skilled pilot, you'll not want to include them because it, it doesn't make your ship everything that it can be. So that would be my callback on it. Um, I just think it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice little addition, but um, time will tell. Silverine. Um, yeah, just in response to Shan, I, um, I've got a docking computer on the Anaconda. Uh, I absolutely love it, particularly in VR. Um, I whack it on and then get out of the chair, stand next to it, um, and just look around at the, and watch the station go by to, um, uh, to is it Flight of the Valkyries? No, Blue Danube. Um, and, um, uh, and it's brilliant, but I don't have it on any other ship and I, and I, and I can't see myself doing so. And I don't, I'm not sure that undocking would be any different um i i can only speak for myself but i will probably use it on some ships like the really big ones that i don't find particularly fun to fly um and i certainly won't use it on medium or small ones um that's just me but i i can't imagine i'm alone well i, I use a docking computer on my big ships um particularly if it's something like a beluga or something like that you know that's going to get in the way but yeah it's optional, but I think it'll just be too useful for people, particularly if you fly a big ship. I mean, that's just just as a survey, how many times have you donked your top of your ship on top of the docking slot and an anaconda for example? <laughs> More times than I can possibly count. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I do. I, I completely get you. Um, for people who fly big ships regularly, that, that probably will be the case. Okay, I mean, obviously, to to help with people and their and and their introduction to uh, to Elite Dangerous, we've now got the Super Cruise Assistant. So, from what I understand, what happens is effectively you select your target, you fly your ship to point at that target, and then you engage the Super Cruise Assistant, which will then fly you at optimal speed, the best speed that can be managed to that location and drop you in supercruise from supercruise at the appropriate moment um what's everyone's opinions on this one i wasn't wildly keen on this like I, I i i think i saw a couple of people on twitter saying oh this is great you know i've got kids running around being able to get out of my chair and go and do other things hang the washing up and then come back and not worry that i'm you know um i've overshot wildly would be really helpful um, and you know, if that's the case, power to it. Um, I just, I, I guess it, Super Cruise could have done with a little bit of um, tweaking, in to my mind. Um, but just because I think that um, it, it's, it can be. I, I really like it as a mechanism for um, for traveling large distances that's not hyperspace. But it can be dull. Um, but I would have preferred to see the um, 
the deceleration rate uh, sped up, basically. Um, so like in supercruise, the ships accelerate very quickly. In the absence of large, large massive bodies, they accelerate very quickly to many times the speed of light. They decelerate much more slowly. Um, and the reason supercruise is often boring is because you are waiting for minutes on end for your ship to decelerate um, quickly enough so that you can drop out when you reach your target. If the ships could decelerate as quickly as they accelerated, supercruise would be way more interesting and um, and it would be more directed as well. And I feel like that would probably, I'm not sure how it wouldn't, it, it probably wouldn't solve an accessibility issue, but it would, it would definitely make supercruise um, more fun, I think. Well, one of the reasons that they, they have made it the way it is is so that people appreciate the scale of the galaxy, i.e. because it takes a while from get from point A to point B, it it it's supposed to appreciate the fact that space itself is big, it's a long way down to the chemists, etc., etc. Uh, but one thing that I did notice was that when you're actually in supercruise and you have the supercruise assist on, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you'll be able to access the um, training missions and the single player missions while your ship is still carrying on in supercruise. I thought that had potential because if they can do that with a single player, could they do that with CQC as well? Hmm. That'd be great, actually. Ben, do you want to drop in? Because you're dropping in on planets. Yeah, I was just wondering. I, I've not seen anything about that, but that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, I was thinking more from a a filming perspective and things like that. I could really see. Am I right in thinking that Frontier have said you can drop into planetary orbit or something like that? Oh, they just said tar the target. So I'm assuming that if you know if you super cruise towards a planetary base, that you get into into planetary orbit and then have to fly her down. Because um, I thought that would be interesting if you go off and you fly down. And I think that'd be interesting. Will it take us in and actually fly us all the way down to the planet? Will it take us off and assume you know assume uh, standard orbits, uh, Mister Chekhov, and things like that? Do that kind of thing. You know what? I don't think it will. Oh, go on, Shan. Off you go. Thank you. Um, I, I don't know because well, one of the things I want to try when it first things I want to um, take my ship to Epsilon Indy and try to <laughs> cruise assist on Meter on Hollow to see if it chases it or around the orbit or whether it just says stuff back <laughs> <laughs> and gives up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much of an assist it is. Is it an autopilot, or is it like going back to my car analogy, like the lane assist? So is it like a Tesla, the auto self-driving car thing, or is it like a lane assist where it keeps within the lines? They're two very different things. Yeah, I do think if it's not a super cruise-based autopilot, the salt is going to be real because. People would be like, wow, 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 I enabled Super Cruise Assist. I then went off and did the hoovering, cooked me tea, went for a dump, and I came back to a, to a rebuy screen. Whereas, you know, what actually happened is you just stood to a star. Well, you see, this is the thing. They've said what you do is you point the ship at, its at the target. Now, the, the thing that gets me is what happens if the target is basically behind a planet or you know on the other side of a planet or whether the orbit is on the other side of a gas giant or something like that i don't think 
it will, um, it's not an autopilot. It's just a cruise control. It's just to help you speed up and slow down and get there in the most efficient speed. I'm pretty sure the forum post said, I mean, this is easily verifiable, but I'm pretty sure the forum post said that um, you would, uh, it would take you to your destination. And the, 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 the strong implication was, as far as I could see, was that you'd come back and you would be in normal space around the planet or in normal space outside the station or something like that. It didn't say normal space, but that was the, um, the, the only other option is to have to put you in orbit around a planet. And I, I don't, I can't see them doing that. It'd be, that would right. be my preferred option though. Well, according, according to this, with Super Cruise Assist, you'll be able to enter orbit around a body, allowing you to launch discovery probes and take screenshots without the fear of face planting the dusty, rocky ground. Awesome. Oh, that's so good. So, yes, it does have, um, please assume, um, standard or- orbit, Mr. Sulu, uh, because it was Mr. Sulu that flew the ship. Well, this, oh, Chekhov. yes, Chekhov was, was T- <laughs> T- weapons, was he? No, he was navigation and and weapons wasn't he so who who's weapons then well check off he did both oh okay he did both did he oh god this is this is really sad because i've been watching too much star trek discovery lately um <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it sulu who fired the weapons in the original series sulu was sulu was helm check off his weapons oh yeah he does say got him doesn't he when he blows up the klingon ship so maybe yeah yeah i think you might you might be right well, and, and as the subject of someone who knows the Star Trek RPG inside out in my younger days, <laughs> I do know that, that according to the RPG, Sulu would handle the helm and the weapons, while Chekhov would handle the navigation plus the shields. But they they okay. un, they uncanonize the entire thing. It, it, sound, it sounds like the Enterprise was unionized, you know, where people had jobs that could be done with one person but had to give them to lots of people just to keep them employed well what you need what you needed was two people flying the ship and everybody else doing the square root of bugger all like they did in every episode because everybody on the bridge did it and every time you needed a landing party it was the same seven people and the 350 other people in the ship did absolutely sweet fanny adams all the time Boo! Well, what I want to know, what was Bones doing hanging up on the bloody bridge rather than down in Medical Bay? Have you seen the size of the windows on the Medical Bay and on the Enterprise? They're tiny. He wanted to look out the window. Anyway, we're digressing. Yes. For, for more information, please see the Bridge Crew podcast, which will be coming to you at some point when we can all be bothered to get together to play the damn thing. Anyway... Uh, Back to the Super Cruise Assist. Um, your ship will automatically maintain the correct speed and approach to your target destination and break out of Super Cruise at the optimum time. You still have to align with the correct location, but you will no longer, longer have to worry about doing a loop of shame. That's what it says. I mean, what does everybody think about um, using this and you get interdicted? Do you think that's an automatic... If you're using this while being interdicted, that's an... It- you automatically feel the interdiction. That was another thought that I had. It would be really bad if, um, uh, if using this basically negated the possibility of interdictions. I think it, when you when you uh, sucked into the interdiction mini game, it breaks um, super cruise assist. Like like if you um, were hitting something or overshooting something on the docking computer, kind of breaks out of it, doesn't it? So I think as soon yeah. as you're interdicted, the minigame will break out of Super Cruise Assist and you'll then have to respond. 
So basically, you still think that the mini game should actually happen. Uh, but if someone is away from the screen because they think that the super cruise assist is doing all the hard work for them, tough. Yeah. I, I must admit, I'll agree with you on that one. I, th- I feel that's about right. Yeah, I, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Silvery? Uh, just that if anything else will be um, anything else, like using Super Cruise Assist and it making you immune from interdictions will essentially be sort of God mode. Um, no, but- no, I didn't. I didn't mean immune from interdictions. I mean, as soon as you get interdicted, that's it. You're straight back down to um, uh, basically to real space. You feel the interdiction, if you see what I mean. Yeah, but it's not obvious what the options are. You know, if you if you're in Super Cruise Assist and you get interdicted. Either it can interdict you or it can't. If it can interdict you, then it slightly renders Super Cruise um, Assist as a bit meaningless because you, you can't, you know, you, you, you'll be penalized if, you, if you're somewhere else in the, in the house. Um, and, if it, um, and if they can't interdict you, um, then it's essentially God mode for the duration of the journey. No, but that's what I'm saying. If you are, if, no, they do interdict you, but there is no game. You automatically feel the interdiction, and then you're back into real space with the pirate about to attack you. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I think that's probably the way it's going to work. It just um, that will be a, a bit of a um, it'll be a, a real risk for people using it. As I said, I think the common sense thing would be to dump you out of Super Cruise Assist and then leave it up to the pilot. What to? Mm. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you go away, have a cup of tea, do the housework or whatever, and play a game, are you really playing the game? And if you're not really playing the game, you kind of deserve everything you get for not paying attention. If you're flying to the house of the you do. You are, yes. I, I, I guess my only point was that it's um, uh, it's it slightly renders the um, if that's the case, um, it does render the point of the whole feature slightly mute slightly moot i think like um it, you know it, you're likely to you're likely to come back to to a penalty whether you whether you lose use it or not if that makes sense right well moving on from the uh, from the new modules um it has to be highlighted that the, one of the other things they announced the interstellar um was it the interstellar factors or they, they've been in for a while yeah, they, I mean, they, they. Sorry, the interstellar initiatives. These are the uh, replacements for the uh, community goals, um, which are going to be sort of community events. Uh, at the moment in time, um, they're not going to go over that until probably the week after. Um, so the, the, they're going to be basically focusing on a lot of the improvements uh, to uh, the newbie stuff. I mean, there's only. There was only one other section, and that was the trading screen improvements. Is there any, they haven't published anything of that. I mean, does anything jump out of you about these improvements that they've, they've put to the trading? Well, there are other screen improvements as well they mentioned, didn't they? Yeah, but they highlighted the, um, the trading screens in specifically. I was looking at the navigation panel improvements and things like that, they were saying. Yeah. And there's, what, activities and threat level? Yeah. So you, you, you know, um, just by looking at the panel, what you're, what you're getting yourself in for. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, it also tells you, Ben, that in 
under the and there's more section that's where it mentions the training missions and challenge scenarios are available via the cockpit just to just to make to let you know that i'm not being dense you're not making it up then and we also have cqc is available via the cockpit i would i i think that would be brilliant if they could yeah um at the moment any hope i have for any changes to eat to cqc I, i do i want to don't get my hopes up. Put it that way. What is interesting, sorry, just looking at the training screen improvements, it mentions two panels of buy and sell. So does that mean you won't be able to buy and sell from the same screen or you're going to have to have click on buy or click on sell? Or what does that mean, do you think? Well, I, I, I don't know, but I do know one of the things that's been requested the most is a sell all button. <laughs> Hoping that they've put that in. Yeah, great shout. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, what we'll do is we will take a quick ad break and then we'll come back and discuss this thing that's called battle cards. So, hooray! Eddie Lee Wise here. Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial needs. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight flight suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg, and my wife Barb's is a whiz with a sewing machine. Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons, plus me daughters, at Lave Station. Right, sir. Cough, please. We buy any ship, bar none. We buy any ship, bar none. Any model, any colour, any shape, any size. We buy any ship, bar none. We here at We Buy Any Ship, bar none, are ready to take your excess space travel vehicles off your hands. No more negotiating with dodgy space station vendors. We'll simply give you an estimated quote online. Then, when you get here, we'll point out all the little dints and scratches that make the price get smaller and smaller before we actually give you any money. And the beauty is... We take any ship. We buy any ship. Bar none. Terms and conditions apply. We buy any ship excludes trading in any of the following vehicles. Ada, Anaconda, Asp, Bauer, Cobra, Constrictor, Cruisers, Eagle, Falcon, Gecko, Griffin, Gear, Harris, Harrier, Hawk, Kestrel, Crate, Lanners, Lifters, Lions, Mantis, Merlin, Mori, Osprey, Panther, Puma, Python, Saker, Sidewinder, Skeet, Spar, Stowmaster, Tearsel, Tiger, Transporter, Turner, Viper, Wyvern, or any Imperial or Thargoid vessels. Everybody. Um, now, we've had some good news over the last, uh, basically the last couple of days. Um, the... ED Battle Cars project, which uh, was on Kickstarter. Um, the bad news is, unfortunately, that still seems to be blocked. However, the good news is, and at this moment, I hand over to John and Oliver to explain the good news. Well, uh, uh, thank you very much indeed, Colin. Um, actually, no, Kickstarter um, have uh, were happy to unblock us having conducted their investigation and um, suggested that to give us a good run at it, we should set it up for another 30 day uh, go. What they then explained was that um, they would examine any future claims by anybody of any IP infringement in the same way that they'd handled previous investigations. And so, of course, That meant for us the death knell of anything Frontier-related on Kickstarter because this guy who'd taken down the original EDRPG back in 2016 obviously came back and did the battle cards 
and is obviously going to be allowed, or at least it seems to us, to be allowed to continue to harass us by putting in a complaint, backing it up with no evidence at all, and just continuing to do that ad infinitum. And we'd kind of um, pissed the community about enough by asking people to go from a pre-order to Kickstarter in the first place with the best intentions, because Kickstarter is the place if you're going to sell a board game or a card game, Kickstarter is the place to go to. But I'm afraid to say we've lost faith in Kickstarter being able to identify or at least see the difference between a legitimate IP claim and someone just dicking about. And so um, we were sort of despairing. And um, David, uh, David Braben was also likewise despairing. And uh, he pinged us over an email and said, I'll tell you what, how about we, you know, ditch Kickstarter and Frontier back you? And it just came at exactly the right time. Um, yeah, so probably saved me serving many decades in prison. Um, because, you know, you do start to lose um, all hope of Kickstarter ever coming around to doing anything sensible. And then all of a sudden, David just went, listen, sod that. We're all getting very frustrated. We're all um, actually getting a bit tired now. And um, it's a great game. So why don't we make it? And uh, and it took us a nanosecond to turn around and go, yes. And so it's on, which is amazing. That's fantastic. So yeah, so so what's the what's the plan? How can people order? Do people order the game now, or do they uh, they they go into the the website? Um, yes, I mean we are um, as far as production goes. We've probably got uh, two to three weeks worth of um, messing about with the final bits and pieces, tweaking things to make it look really pretty. Then we'll be sending it off to the printers and the printers have said anywhere between eight to 12 weeks. So we've got a good few months of it still remaining in pre-order. And so to make it fair for anybody who backed us um, through Kickstarter and anybody else who wants to benefit from a sale, from uh, a cheaper discounted um, copy, then they can pre-order by going to edbattlecards.com, going to the shop and buying themselves a set at the discounted price. The moment the board, the boards, um, the board game has actually been produced and is being shipped over to the UK to our warehouse, we will then stop that discount and then it will be open to retail um, because we've got a distribution deal already um, with a European distributor, and then it will be in the shops um, on the Frontier website, we think, and also on our own website for £60. So if anybody wants to get involved now, uh, not only will they get a £10 discount, but also um, we were kind of encouraged by Frontier to get as many people to sign up as possible because, of course, if Frontier is going to stick its neck out um, and, and put a bit of money on the line, it really needs to see that the community are behind this and they really want it. Um, so the more people who pre-order, the better it is for us because the more encouraged Frontier will be and therefore the more involved we can get them in promoting it. And so it then becomes a self-perpetuating um, uh, circle of, of amazingness um, and we get the thing made. So the fact that we can just sidestep all of that mess and let the experts deal with it all. Um, and we can just move on and, and make the game. So, um, yeah, we're really, really delighted that Frontier have stepped up behind us um, with this because otherwise it probably wouldn't have happened at all. Yeah, I take it you guys will be at ECM. 
Yes, <laughs> we definitely will be. Oh yes, um, we've got uh, the, the, there's, there's a couple of things we're going on there. We'll bring uh, the battle cards. We've got uh, I think we'll have two two sets, three sets, three sets. John is indicating. So if you want to have a play of battle cards, um, for those who don't know what it is, it's an expandable um, card game system for uh, Elite Dangerous. And it's basically you have a fleet of ships and you're contesting contesting different areas of space. But each area has got its own uh, mission. Uh, so uh, some areas favor trading ships, others mining ships. Some areas are huge battle zones and so forth. Um, it, it, it's very addictive. People who've played it seem to really enjoy it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed making it. So I am, uh, yeah, so we're dead keen to show that off. Um, also, um, we're going to have an EDRPG table there. Uh, I'm going to do something, uh, maybe something quite stupid but i've decided that i'm gonna do uh i was gonna say all day as, as long as all day as john will give me basically uh a, a big uh, session of uh, uh edrpg but it's gonna be random so uh anyone who has the uh full books um will know that there is uh there's uh, lots of random generation systems uh you know if you have all the expansions uh, and you can even play the rpg solo so i thought uh just to prove it uh i will go down uh to elite meet and i will run a game which is entirely randomly generated uh just to completely put me on the spot and uh see how it goes and it's a drop in drop out game so you don't have to play all day you can just play for a couple of hours get up leave someone else will take your place um uh so there'll be sort of lots of pre-generated characters uh if you want to bring your own character you, you can but uh don't be be somewhere between uh mostly harmless and competent uh, if you're a higher level than that and maybe expert might be right but if you're, it's any higher than that then you'll just break my game and uh don't have any fun except you of course um so those are the two things uh sort of game wise we're doing at elite meet but we're we're mostly just very keen to meet lots of people and uh you know unload it's been a very uh it's been a very stressful kind of nine months really because uh, we've everything has had to go on hold and there's uh so many projects that are going to be released this year um if you know all goes well for us um so yeah yeah it's just it's a very exciting time <laughs> grant do you want to jump in there yeah, well, what I was going to ask was more um, a sort of how have you guys managed to maintain your creativity with all this kind of, well, frankly, a big full stop brick wall stuck in front of you, completely wrong. And I, mean, I understand it's going to be difficult to not be scarred or, or you know, having that lingering frustration with it. But how are you managing to maintain your creativity and enthusiasm? that kind of stress yeah i mean what i did i mean f first of all for a few months um we thought we could find a way around it we actually had a lot of confidence that kickstarter would overcome it so uh at the beginning if you remember how uh what happened with edrpg we were taken down three days before the end and we thought you know the world had ended but a year uh sorry not a year a month later kickstarter came back and said well you know, they haven't supplied any documentation about this. So you guys are back up. And, you know, three days, three, four days came by, uh, and it, it, it were passed. And actually, the weird thing was when, you know, this is dreadful hubris, but when we were taken down uh, with battle cards, 
I rang up John and I was almost laughing. I said, well, you know, uh, this actually did very well for us last time. You know, when we did EDRPG, it's no problem because we, we just popped straight back on. And quite a lot of people, I think, felt a, quite a bit of sympathy, I think. And so we, we, we might have even sold more copies because of it. You know, which Yeah, was- it got some press coverage as well, which gave us an extra boost. So we certainly sold more copies because of the um, IP claim. Yeah, so it was. Uh, I was quite optimistic, but um, as the months passed, and they just wouldn't talk to us, um, and it had to pass to Frontier because, I mean, as you guys will know, if there's anything related to an IP challenge for Elite Dangerous, then Frontier, you know, must handle it because, of course, it's their IP and they can't leave it to a, a third party to defend. But of course, it makes you feel very powerless. And, uh, you know, we'd all obviously taken, uh, you know, the profits of uh, EDRPG, put it into battle cards, uh, and, you know, as well as a good deal of sort of our own money. And we were just kind of watching that tick down and down. And I think um, the thing that we did to keep us sane is that we we got on and did other projects. Um, We did a few things. We did... uh, uh, well, we did we did try to do um, a game called Snowflake, but um, we couldn't really get that off the ground. Uh, but I was mostly focusing on a um, yeah, chuckling away. It was quite a fun game. Um, it, it, I mostly focused on uh, writing a game called Legendary Kingdoms, which uh, we're just kind of starting to tell people about now. Which is this kind of a fancy game book idea I'd had, um, kind of just bubbling away in the back of my mind, and so. Um, after a long period of time of not being able to do anything, I went crazy on that. And I was writing it, you know, when I was, uh, you know, heading up to uh, uh, see my stepdaughter up in Durham. And, you know, uh, when I went up to, uh, you know, Edinburgh, we were at the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival, you know, I was madly typing it then. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a massive great book. Uh, it's great fun. But that kind of just kind of kept me uh, occupied. And I thought, you know, to be fair, even if Battle Cards doesn't come back on, you know, I, I, I'm going to put this up. This is going to happen. Uh, and John, uh, sorry, I'm going to pass over to John because he wants to say something. Yeah, before um, Oliver throws the opportunity to unshamelessly plug um, the new uh, book, we will be bringing a couple of playable samples of that particular book um, uh, to give away as prizes at ECM. But uh, Legendary Kingdoms is a game book. It's one of those choose-your-own-adventure-style game books. Um, it's the first of a series of six, and you can download from Legendary Kingdoms' uh, website um, a 44-page playtest, which allows you to um, have a go at the um, choose-your-own-adventure-style game book. So if you are interested in that kind of thing, do please head over to the legendarykingdoms.co.uk website, download a free copy because that would be awesome. Sorry, anyway. Um, but that was uh, the, the, the other thing to answer your question, Grant, is you have to keep going because we didn't have any money to plug Snowflake. We, in fact, were wanting to um, push for another uh, license from a different company um, called Bethesda. And we were looking at pitching an idea for a Fallout RPG with them. Um, but the moment battle cards got taken down, we had to shelve that because like with Frontier, getting a license from someone as big as Bethesda would involve us pretty much having to produce the whole RPG, including a playtest properly designed, properly put together with all the artwork. And that's a few, a good few thousand pounds that we didn't have because it was swallowed up by battle cards. Subsequently, we've lost that 
um, it's now been given to another company. Um, maybe it would have always been given to another company, but we'll never really know. So Grant, you're not wrong when it comes to frustrations will linger because th- there is an awful lot of fallout that came, pardon the pun, from um, the claim, from the spurious claim, and knowing that it was spurious, knowing that this particular character had no intention of ever trying to go to court and prove any kind of justification in his actions because he's been asked um, hundreds of times by lots of people all the way through this process and has refused to engage with any of them. So it's clearly just a joker with an axe to grind. Um, But you have to keep going because you've got so much invested in this company that when we do actually get an opportunity to make games, people seem to like them. So why wouldn't we? keep going and you just have to put all of that other shit in the back of you know up to the back of your mind really uh, i mean one thing i will point out from a, a community point of view at the moment um, if there are any uh, role players in manchester that know of the uh, uh fun uh fun bar three or the fanboy three uh, role-playing shop um, there are people there who actually want to run the EDRPG campaigns there. So if you go onto the Facebook, their Facebook um, group, which is um, RP at uh, Fanboy3, you'll find some people that you can uh, arrange a group with if you, uh, if you want to. Um, right, uh, Ben? So I, I'm just thinking, is our frontier now actually hiring John and Oliver? to go off and do a Legendary Kingdoms um, RPG kind of thing. No! <laughs> no, 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 they're not. <laughs> Don't say that. Part of the reason I is I've been playing uh, the Shadowrun computer RPG, and that translated so well. And obviously we, we all know Neverwinter and things like that. I, I, could, I could see you guys designing... Working with Frontier, designing a kick-ass RPG on a computer. I can It'll see that. It would be splendid, but it's 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 nothing. We haven't even, we haven't even released our first book yet, man. I mean, you, you, know, you, know, you know, got you know, give, it, give it a chance. Um, but no, I mean, it's it, it is a great project. Um, it, it's um, it, it's slightly unusual because it's um, uh, my idea behind it is it's a party-based game book. I won't talk very much about it because this is elite dangerous. But it's it's a party-based game book where. Uh, it's a bit like a, a big D&D campaign. So um, you can sort of go anywhere and do anything. And when you're making big changes in the game, those changes are reflected in the book. So, you know, if you uh, unseat a king from power, for instance, then uh, that, that king is gone forever. You don't return. Although you can go back to the same cities, you know, everything has changed uh, because of what you've done. Um and it's very character driven. So, you know, you can have characters, they can sort of like have romances with each other and, and you can sort of uh, have ships sail across the world. And every book is basically a different geographic area. So book one is like in a, it's almost like a Conan like area. It's not really Conan, but it, you know, it's sort of sort of swords and sorcery, uh, deserty like place. And book two is in a European feudal world where there's all these warring houses. Um, and so it's lots of different kinds of, um uh yeah it kind of places there's even a trade system in there as well so uh yeah yeah there is yeah you can you can trade you can trade as well yes if you want to ye old truckers (laughs) (laughs) i can just see dave dave and the truckers using this book to go back and forth (laughs) now turn to page 344 you know what what, you laugh but you know try it first (laughs) 
yeah, yeah no, sort of. well, I mean, that's what I did. All the I did. I played the the Steve Jackson games. Oh, back in the day. Yeah, and yeah, I, I'm kind of picturing this similar idea. It, it is. Um, it's it's similar, except for the fact that instead of being the individual walking through a dungeon on your own, this is where you pick a group of four out of six pre-gen characters, or you get to roll your own characters, and then you decide when you take your group um, whether you're going to. Um, some some things require members of the group, individuals. Some require all the groups together. But it's um, but it's quite it's quite awesome because it's just a lot bigger and deeper than a single player doing a single uh, dungeon crawl and that <laughs> i like uh which is awesome and it's why we're hoping um when we launch the kickstarter if it if we can i mean it's it is a very very big stretch goal it's not one of the little ones but we're hoping maybe 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 we can even convert it into a um a playable smart book so uh when you roll oh. things when you when you do something in the book you just click on a uh, on a hyperlink and, and and the book remembers so you uh, can... I, I like the oh what the hell was it again like the text-based adventure kind of things yes except that they except it's interactive so you've got dice on your ipad screen or your phone screen you've got mm-hmm. um, a character sheet that when you pick up something you just click on it and it then puts it automatically into the inventory of one of your players if we can do that then it suddenly becomes something people can play as a uh, when they're commuting, and then it suddenly opens it up to a much wider audience. Because oh, you'd... that'd be amazing on your iPad, yes. Yeah, wouldn't it? Or, or Android tablets, or, or other yeah. other other tablets are available. Yeah, yeah, we should do that. Yeah. The good old fruit-based device. Can I say thank you to our um, ambassadors, actually? Because just um, while I'm talking, it, it sounds like we've been moaning, you know, into uh, empty air. But actually, uh, we've got a whole group of um, ambassadors who are, of course, also members of the Elite Dangerous community who have been so supportive uh, over these last few months. Um, some of them helped me with a new book while I was working on it, which is great. Um, but, you know, they've also been sort of running sessions. They've been going to, they've been keeping sort of, you know, uh, EDRPG alive while we've been in this kind of self-imposed dormancy. Um, uh, we, we um, I, I'll, I'll, If anyone wants to ask me about EDRPG and other projects, you can talk to me uh, when we're at uh, Elite Community Meet because John will kill me if I, I committed to anything. Uh, live on air, but uh, we've got there's all kinds of different things that we want to do, um, sort of coming up now that this has been unlocked. So you know we're we're very super excited. We are also sponsoring LaveCon this year as well. Woo! So uh, we'll all be there, and um, so that'll be another opportunity to catch up. And also um, going slightly back to what um, Psycho Cow asked earlier on, um, you know Grant was saying what what keeps you going through the darker times. Also the community, um, you can start playing the. Um, you know the music in the background now but it's um because i'm going to get soppy but it is actually the number of emails you get um and the 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 messages on on facebook and twitter and all the support that you get every time you mention something and every time someone will ping you a message haven't heard anything for a while is is battle cards coming back on again we lost very few people during the kickstarter campaign just because everyone was being so incredibly gorgeous and could see um how not only how disruptive this was, but they kept the faith that we certainly would see it to to some kind of conclusion. So, yeah, we have to have a massive, great big thanks to the to the elite dangerous community because you know they're an awesome bunch, 
and I think they have, yeah, pretty much um, kept us going, certainly through the darker times. And just a very special thank you to um, uh, Wishblend, uh, Alison, who's in the uh, Distant Worlds expedition. She's been doing a EDRPG campaign, uh, while at the same time as like you know flying four hundred billion light years, and it's uh, it's you know which is amazing. Uh, so just thank you very much for that. Uh, there was a thing about Distant Worlds too, and EDRPG. Uh, what was it? <laughs> Yeah, there's um, there's in fact um, lots of people have made um, taken advantage of this already. But as well as the ten pound off um, the battle cards, if you get involved in the pre-order, there is in fact an ongoing twenty five percent discount on anything from the EDRPG shop um, during the um, the uh, Distant World Two expedition. So um, there's a special code that you need to grab. Uh, that is in the show notes, um, as is the expiration date, which I believe is the 15th of May, I think, 13th, 15th of May, one of the two. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's uh, um, a code that if you plug in when you go um, to our shop and you make your purchases, you plug it in, you will get 25% off for free. Uh, one thing that we should also point out is if you want to actually hear the game action, um, not only do we have uh, in our back catalogue uh, the uh, Lave Radio EDRPG, the Guard Frequency podcast do a section on the creation of the Guard Frequency using the EDRPG role-playing game live. So if you, if you want to hear how it all hangs together, um, pop over and tell them that Lave Radio rules. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Lave Radio is um, incident at Bijangu, I believe, is the um, is the name of the four, it is. four series um, podcast that you guys did for us. So, um, do we have any final? Oh, questions. We do. So far, nobody has um, made any response on the forums to how we should give away the remaining paint packs we've got available to us. So we're going to have to scratch our heads and come up with better comp- a better competition. So bear with us on that one. Um, has anybody got any final business before I do the, uh, the shout-outs and uh, the wind-ups? Thank you. I thought the whole show was a wind-up. <laughs> yeah. I think we should be treated to one more flush of cows no, I agree. again just to Seconded. just to top and tail the show. Well, do you mean the flush should happen after the excellent news, the Galnet news by Commander Pete Wotherspoon? You mean we flush the loo so you don't have to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh Benny Hill, eat your heart out. <laughs> Just to say, um, uh, you know, a lot of my family actually were listening live to this broadcast. And, um, yeah, uh, so they had me live not making up a toilet joke, you know, on radio. So, uh, yeah, you so failed you. to make one. Mm. Now's your chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I still can't think don't, of one. Don't let them down. <laughs> I, I think of myself as being on a higher plane than uh, toilet humor. Um, hey! So. <laughs> Possibly. Ah, just stinks. You see, how do you do it, Ben? I don't, it's, it's just so natural. It's very good. Uh, anyway, no, no, I, I don't have anything else to say. People say it's in the timing, but I think it's more in the movement. 
just gotta relax and let it go. I'm on a roll. I prefer wet wipes. That's not even a joke. Oh yeah, I mean you could you could name your bathroom after a spaceship superhero, Flush Gordon. <laughs> I thought he was going to name his bathroom Captain's Log, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Colin, flush it. Yes, honestly, there's there's nothing more to say after that. Oh my god, I did it! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there is, it's always it's always a joke. You can just any, say anything you say at all. If you end it with a dumptus, it's a joke. See, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. I think uh, this is rapidly turning into yeah, I think, doctors, yeah. isn't it? <clears throat> uh, on a scale of one to ten, you're eight. Right, let's move on. And see. Oh, yes, definitely. Obviously, this Saturday, where you will be able to meet John and Oliver uh, and probably Grant and myself, there is the Elite Community Meet happening at the Renaissance Hotel in Manchester. Um, there are no tickets left. It's completely sold out, isn't it? That is correct. The uh, We have reached capacity. Um, if you want to be in touch with uh, the guys, you can send your um, emails at elitemeetevent at gmail.com if you're interested in sort of cancellation places or um, if you want to see whether anything can be done and we'll look at it but it is <clears throat> we, we set a figure with the room is suitable for um, I think it was 200 but with kit and setups um, we kind of reckoned that about 170 is about as much as we should try so yeah it's going to be very friendly <laughs> <laughs> In fact, to, to be honest right now, we've also got, uh, before we move on, if you go to EliteMeet.info, the website there, you will find out what the lunch options are, what the dinner options are. There's a video of a walkthrough from the front door of the concrete monstrosity that is the Renaissance <laughs> Hotel. Uh, yeah, I must admit that um, when everybody looked up the, the hotel... I must have. I made the mistake and thought, "My God, you've managed to get something posh." Thinking it was the Midland Hotel, not the Renaissance. The Renaissance is is, is basically it looks like a seventies seventies brutalist. It wouldn't look out of place in my bathroom, but um, it is absolutely stunning inside. So On the inside, it's for. gorgeous. Yeah, it's like it's like the it's like a TARDIS. TARDIS, no. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Every time you kill on something like that, you have to flush. <laughs> Jesus, I actually, and this is this is no word of a lie. Many moons ago, I was working on a comic book, and one of the characters we created was Doctor Pooh, and it was a portable toilet because we thought they looked like to they looked like time machines. So we had someone go in to the portable toilet, uh, flush, and then they came back out in prehistoric times and got eaten by a dinosaur. That was the whole cartoon. It was, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I've digressed. It sounds. It sounds like something from Viz. Sounds like a card game. Similar style to that uh yeah that is for sure uh we also had some political uh, articles and cartoons 
uh, including the the most uh, famous mission impossible where the main character has to get the queen uh, impregnated by the pope does that mean if you put holy water in your toilet you have a religious movement <laughs> oh dear oh that was worth a roll yeah there, there you go I had, to go, I had to go and find it again it also deserves this <laughs> Well, moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, also, we have LaveCon uh, between the 4th and 7th of July at the Sage, Sagebrook Hall Hotel, which is, again, sponsored by Spider-Man Games. A round of applause. Yay! Uh, on, in addition, we have our sister station, Hutton Orbital, which broadcasts on a Thursday at uh, half past eight uh, BST at the moment. Are you guys doing a show this week, or is it all going to be preparation for Elite Meet? It is um, off because we're going to do one on Saturday instead, so there's not one on Thursday nights. Uh, can I just say, Nopleus, uh, the poop. <laughs> the poop. <laughs> God, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, in, in addition to that, um, there is also the CQC Discord for the uh, discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action. You can find that at HTTPS Discord Me Elite Dangerous CQC. That's all one one phrase. Um, and uh, we do have the fantastic Commander Witherspoon coming up with the uh, Galnet news after the show. So apart from that, that is it for another episode of Lee Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, facebook.com slash laveradio, at laveradio on Twitter, and you can join the Discord chat channel by going to discord.io slash laveradio. You can join our TeamSpeak server, where commanders like to come out and chat, at chatteamspeak.laveradio.com, where you'll also find the Hotton Orbital uh, team speak as well. Live radio is recorded live on a Tuesday at uh, 8.30 British Standard, uh, British Summer's Time and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to John and Oliver. Thank thanks you for, for having, having us. Uh, and thanks to uh, Ben, thanks to Grant, thanks to Silverine and thanks to Shan. Good night. Thanking you, good sir. Cheerio. And thanks to all those commanders that have joined us either in game or in the uh, in the Twitch chat. So until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
guys. Hold the thought for two seconds and I'll be right back. Galnet News Digest, 16th of April, 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, the princess and the pea brain. Feds take hush money to quash rack and probe. The children go back to their roots. A galactic nursery near you. The princess and the pea brain. Prismatic princess. Ashleen Duval's visit to her cousin and figurehead of the failed Nova Imperium coup, Hadrian Duval, continues to cause controversy in imperial circles, with veteran slave trader Zermina Torval branding airhead Ashling as an ideological traitor. Ex-slave Hadrian, the biological grandson of the late Emperor Hengist, and like Ashling's father Harold, passed over as his successor, was installed as titular head of Nova Imperium to lend it legitimacy. The brains behind this pea-headed youth was Duke Kaizo Mordanticus, the so-called Imperator, who sought to overthrow Emperor Arissa and impose isolationism on the Empire. It seems more than a little likely that sweet little Ashling now has plans to make Hadrian into her puppet in Her Power Struggle Against the Emperor. Feds take hush money to quash Rackham Probe. The Federal Ineptitude Agency has demonstrated new levels of bungling incompetence by denying that it's investigating the Rackham murders. Two senior members of Rackham Capital Investments have died in mysterious circumstances in the past few weeks, and in both cases it's people loyal to pretender to the Rackham throne, Taja Gavaris, that have been swiftly installed to replace them. It seems more than likely that the one-time pirate Rackham has been boarded by another even more fearsome crew of corporate pirates who are willing to stop at nothing to take control. But the FIA has denied reports that it's investigating either Rackham's shady past or the mysterious deaths in his organisation, pointing out that CEO Calico Zach Rackham has made sizeable charitable donations to the agency and sits on their oversight board and is therefore above the law. More worrying for Rackham is that the Federal Times claims to have been visited by people claiming to be FIA agents and to have handed over many volumes of evidence about Rackham's piratical past. If they weren't FIA agents, then who has just scooped a bonanza of dirt to dish on beleaguered boss Rackham? The children go back to their roots. The most boring religious death cult ever known has finally bowed to the inevitable and disbanded. Following the execution of their leader Barnabas Cole at the hands of a team of crack FIA infiltrators last week and the disarming of the so-called Lucifer device, the group has been lacking a direction and they seem to have been glad to finally break up. It's believed that the members of the group plan to go back to their roots 
playing folk music and performing in clubs and small venues. The great Lord Tothos, the sky demon worshipped by the cult, seems to have been forgotten. I wonder how he feels about that. A galactic nursery near you. Detailed plans for the new safe area for starting out commanders will be given by the Pilots' Federation in a holocast on Thursday at 6pm Galactic Mean Time. And in a move expressly calculated to disrupt Lave Radio, the new area will be open for business on Tuesday the 23rd of April. Please leave your muddy wellies by the door and have fun on the soft playmats. There will be orange squash and a snack at break. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.